0: Hello and welcome to Alone Upfront, the podcast for teachers doing it by themselves. Hi folks, we're back. Episode number three. I hope you've had a great week wherever you've been teaching, whoever you've been teaching, whatever learning you've been doing. I'm Steve Mortimer in Berlin. With me is Chris Mortimer. Hi
1: Chris. Hi, Steve. Beautiful day here in the Midlands. How are you? And a mercifully
0: cool day in Berlin. It was very hot last week. Now it's cooled down a bit. So uh, this is going to be a more relaxed podcaster you're listening to. Um, hope everyone listening has had a great week uh, in the classroom, in the learning space. Maybe you've had some highs where you've realised something amazing. Maybe you've had some lows where you've thought, oh, I can't do this at all. But that's all part of the roller coaster that is affecting learning. And although Monday morning... You may not feel it. We all love it deep down, really, right? Well, we'll see. I think it's a constant learning process, and uh, I've been doing it for ages. Chris's been doing it for ages, and we're still getting a lot of value out of it and enjoying the work we're doing. So week number three... um, Today, we want to get into something which is pretty fundamental, again, um, and that's distinguishing between something you might call a learning objective and something else you might call a learning outcome. I'm going to ask Chris what he thinks about those two terms in a minute, but we want to break things up a little bit. So we're going to introduce a new feature this week, which is called, um, is it worth it? In this feature, I suggest something which may or may not be worth it, some kind of aspect of classroom practice. Me and Chris engage in a quick fire. I promise it'll be a rapid fire debate, not me talking (laughs) for ages and ages. Um, And then we try and figure out whether it's worth it or not. And of course, just like last week, we're going to have our top tip later, um, which is an idea hopefully you can use in your classrooms today or tomorrow. So that's the lineup. So hitting in the first topic then, objective versus outcome. Chris... Have you ever come across those terms in opposition to each other or have you come across those terms at all?
1: Yes, Steve. Well, I've got to say the previous two topics were on week three now. The previous two topics, well, I felt I had a working understanding of, uh, of both of those, whereas this one I've got to say I'm a little bit anxious about because I don't think I could clearly define the difference between an outcome and an objective. In fact, I would say in my work when I've been... Uh, you know, knocking up mark schemes and things. I use these two terms pretty much interchangeably. So I'm looking forward to... Uh learning the distinction and uh, the significance of that to my practice.
0: I think it is significant, and it's not just a semantic thing. Some people might say, well, who cares if you call it objective or outcome? But that's not the point. Um, we have to have this realisation, I believe, or I've come to believe, that there's a fundament, there's fundamentally two different things that are happening um, when you have a, a teaching and learning process, and thus you need two words for them. Now, whether you call it aim or objective or outcome, that's by the by, that really is arbitrary. But making a distinction in your mind between two things is really important. I think that those two things are learning objective representing a abstract understanding of a given piece of content and learning outcome being the evidence produced by the learner resulting from that understanding. So classic example, um, if you want to teach students how to correctly use commas in English or any other language, there's the one hand their, their understanding of that and then a text featuring correctly commaed sentences would be a learning outcome. That's the outcome which is the results of the objective which you have to some extent achieved. Does that does that seem like it makes sense to you, Chris?
1: Yeah, I think so. So we're saying the outcome is almost like a moment in time, or maybe, as you said, a, a physical piece of work that provides evidence, or even is something uh, kind of a, a milestone towards. Yeah. um that learning objective and the objective is a more abstract thing and um i think we said in our we had a brief conversation beforehand Given away our secrets now we had a brief <laughs> conversation beforehand the um the objective usually starts with to understand yeah so it is kind of by definition an abstract idea yeah whereas the the outcome is as i said that's the point of time where we evidence progress towards yeah. that objective
0: i think using words like evidence versus like an abstract an abstract understanding is very useful you might also say milestones like i said or, or, or snapshots these are moments in time when learning has taken place and in that moment in that situation your learner is capable of producing an outcome which offers a proof or evidence that the learning has happened of course that outcome does not is not proof that that learner has forever Mastered that particular mm. skill or, or, or acquired that part of knowledge. An objective is not fulfilled because an outcome is produced. And a couple yeah. of days later, if you ask the student to repeat that outcome, maybe they've forgotten how or they've 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 yeah. sort of lost sight of it. And so that objective needs to be gone back to and constantly worked on. So an objective is mm. an ephemeral abstract thing that happens in our in our brains. And is a constant process of refining and developing and strengthening and consolidating. And outcomes are snapshots of this process. And so yep. you, but by, by the end of a term, a semester, a course, maybe a student has a, um, a acquired a folder full of outcomes at different mm. levels. Um, but the learning, the objective, that stays in, in the learner's head. And I suppose yep. there's an argument that, you know, the more outcomes you produce, the more evidence you have that uh, an objective has been achieved or not. But the learning outcome isn't really the point in a way. Yeah. The, the learning objective is the point. And this has a, a kind of profound effect on how, particularly how we plan and approach the time we spend with our learners, Um, So my next question to you is, when you're, Mm. say you have a a one-hour session and um, you know roughly what the topic is, what's your planning process? How do you, what terms, in in what terms Mm. do you approach the task of filling that hour of time Mm. with
1: your learners? That's a good, that's a really, really good question. And I suppose, I think early in my career, It was a case of looking at the time, looking at the slots of time and um, filling up the time. And I actually remember when I was at school, I saw we had um, a trainee English teacher and I saw on her desk her teaching plan for the lesson. And it was just uh, five past the hour. We do this quarter past the hour. We do this. And I think that had a kind of. a big impact on me because my initially that's what i thought how you should plan a lesson you know mm. it should just just be about dividing up mm. the time but mm. as i've you know i've been teaching you know 10 12 years now and now my approach is much different and my approach now is about trying to create an experience mm. for the learners trying to create a story mm. and the students being the heroes of that story mm. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm hoping this session I can kind of add some terminology to, to kind of flesh out the, the journey I want to take them on. But I do want to take them on a journey where at the beginning they have a realisation that there's a gap, that there's a misconception and then we say, but that's okay. We're comfortable with that. Let's do an activity that might initially appear unrelated, mm. a good practical activity, lots of interaction. Mm. And then at the end, in the kind of plenary session, that's where we're trying to draw out the learning and the realization. And also that's where they, hopefully they say, that was a, that was a good session. Yeah. You know, I felt like yeah. th- there's, there's, there was an arc to that session. Mm. Mm. Uh, there, there, there was a journey there was an emotional engagement i feel like something's happened so it's so in terms of my planning and i know i've gone way off topic here but it's certainly changed <laughs> no. it's it's certainly changed from just dividing up the time yeah to trying to create um a, a journey for the learners
0: um it sounds amazing i want i want to come to one of your lessons <laughs> and, and experience this uh but You're absolutely right. Uh, The thing is that the whole idea of chunking up the time, it's not necessarily bad practice. Um, In Mm. my teacher training, we had to produce detailed lesson plans, and inevitably on the left-hand side of the sheet you had a column which had minutes saying how long you were going to do each thing. It's important for your supervising teacher when you're training to know that you have some kind of plan, and the only real way you can prove that is by showing that you're going to fill the time. The problem is that it does pull you towards... Thinking about what am I learners going to be doing the word doing becomes very important They're going to be mm. doing that for 15 minutes Then they're going to do that for 20 minutes and then we're going to do that always do 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 How long will it take them to do this at no point mm. are you thinking the word learn? It's all sure. about doing and not about learning. There's nothing wrong with doing and in fact learning by doing is something that we talk about, right? But um, if you are focusing on doing then you are only focusing on the production of outcomes, like that finish that activity write that thing do that um and if you just have a lesson full of outcomes but you never have a sense in yourself as the teacher and communicating that sense to the learners of the objectives of why they are producing these outcomes not writing a nicely formatted letter or a well-expressed poem or completing an equation or understanding a moment in history um Okay, no, the last one is wrong. The last one really is a learning objective, but all yeah. of the others, <laughs> all of the others are outcomes which may mm. or may not mm. um, provide evidence of objective. You see, it's perfectly sure. possible to explain to your students what you want them to do, have them do it, and have them produce the outcome without them ever actually doing the learning you think they might be doing. Yeah. They, they, there's, they, there can be this weird kind of um um Teamwork, unintentional teamwork happening between a teacher and learner where the teacher is kind of ex- telling them what to do. The learners are mm. doing it um mm. everyone looks happy it looks like there's amazing learning happening. because look at yeah, look, look at yeah. these beautifully these beautifully um formatted uh, texts that are being produced I think. Mm. but of course because we're just talking about teachers defining outcomes and learning, you've never had the actual objective like why like what yeah wh- wh- what's the point of doing this i mean
1: this totally totally resonates with me steve and i know one of the conversations we have is um we talk about doing the right thing wrong Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. and doing the wrong thing right, which is um, a famous quote from Management Science. But I think in business and in education, anybody who's trying to do something purposeful, Mm -hmm. uh, often we can be guilty of doing the wrong thing right, which is, as you said, having some um having some in the educational context having some some of those outcomes you know the students appear to be doing work but then what's it all what's all going towards you know Mm. and in the business context you can have uh, a company that's efficient at the operational level but what's it actually what's actually moving towards you know what are those uh, strategic objectives and um we have to think um you know what is what is the right thing and i think that comes through defining the objectives properly. But what you've, what you've kind of, um, what you've touched on a bit is that um, the teacher should have these objectives, but also if we can communicate those to the learners, Mm -hmm. then we're asking, we're we're getting some metacognitive action. And it's just like, you know, when I've, I've got my drum kit behind me now, you know, I'd like to be able to play jazz music Mm -hmm. and I can have that in mind as a bit of an objective. And I know there's certain smaller, Chunks of technique and skills mm. that I've got mm. to be able to, that I've got to be able to uh, master. Mm. So those those are the outcomes that are going to move me in that direction. But I'm working on a metacognitive level because I'm thinking one day I'll actually be able to play to play jazz, yeah. and that's and that that's very motivational for me yeah. um, as a learner. So these learning objectives is about the teacher articulating them to the students as well and getting mm. them.
0: That's right. That's right. What we'll do now is we'll go to our, our new feature briefly, then we'll return and, and finish up our topic and then go to our top tip. So new feature. Okay, listeners, sit down. This is a big one. Is it <laughs> is it worth it? When you are considering how to plan your day, your week, your month, your year, there's many different things you can do. You hear about some teachers doing this, doing this. Oh, it sounds so amazing. Oh, my, my, maybe I should be doing that. We're going to cut through the noise, and get to the get to the nitty-gritty of, <laughs> is it worth it? Should you be doing that? That's the plan, at least. So uh, Chris does not know the topic. I do know the topic, mm. but I'm going to toss a coin, and the coin will decide whether I'm arguing that it's worth it, and Chris is arguing that it's not worth it, or vice versa. First, I'll do the coin toss, mm. figure out who's arguing which way, then I'll drop the topic, okay? So, coin is being tossed now. There okay, is. 50 cent is up, which means... I'm arguing it's not worth it. Chris is arguing it's worth it, okay? So I say it's not worth it. Chris says, the topic is, is it worth it to greet your students individually at the door as they enter the Mm. learning space? I say it's not worth it. Chris, you're arguing that it is worth it. Would you like to start or shall I? Rapid fire. It has to be
1: worth it, Steve. Steve, It has to be worth it because you've got to connect individually with your students, particularly, I mean, our audience are not necessarily school teachers. We've got a kind of detached relationship, you know, compared to a school relationship, we've got a kind of a more detached relationship with the students. And uh, we've all been in those university seminars and lectures where, the the lecturer is clearly just going through the motions. The lecturer is more concerned about that research paper, about that conference. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah. No I'm, just gonna, I'm just
0: going. I'm just going to jump in here because we're going to make this rubber okay. yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever. I hear what you're saying, but there's plenty of points in the lesson when you can do this um, emotional bonding stuff with your students. What you cannot be doing is using the most incredibly critical 15 minutes just before the lesson, mm-hmm. where you may have new ideas popping into your head. You may be thinking, oh, if i just change this slightly and copy a few more sheets you it. You're, you are wasting that incredibly productive, creative, buzzing time, standing around mm-hmm. having chats with your students. And I agree with you, you should emotionally bond with them, but the time before the lesson, the 20 minutes before the lesson is sacred for the teacher because that's when you're totally in the zone and making yourself ready. What do you think?
1: Well, I'm not sure. I think if you're properly organized and, you know, me, me, me and you, Steve, we're, we're always organized ahead of time. But hopefully you've got your lesson planning done, you know, a, a couple of weeks before and, you know, you know. Exactly oh, yeah, what,
0: definitely. A couple of weeks before, for sure. For sure. A couple of months you know in exactly, my case.
1: Exactly what the shape of the lesson is going to be. You know that you're going to have to give them a couple of minutes at the beginning. And and to be honest, I never start my lessons at the top of the hour. Because there's no point starting a lesson if you've got students coming in, you've got students on phones, you've got the students getting their stuff out. My students know the session's actually going to start at five past, which gives us this incredibly, I'd say, productive pocket of time at the beginning. I do two things with this time. One thing is I say, do you have any questions for me about the course? And I've had so many answered so many questions at the beginning of this time. The other thing I do is say hello to the students when they come in.
0: Yeah, so you have creeping lack of punctuality week after week you're always starting slightly later because they realise well he's just going to be answering somebody else's question anyway and you sacrifice that kind of crisp exciting game changing moment where you go into your lesson imagine a James Bond film that just started with a long period of conversations between James Bond and Q you obviously need to start with something big a big stunt sequence it's just like that kind of
1: Mm. Yeah, it does. It it can appear ponderous, but we can only work with, you know, we can only work with what we're given. We don't want to be one of those lecturers who the first thing they do is they complain that the students are late. (laughs) This is something I've learned over the years. You cannot be complaining to the students about punctuality and things like that gets things off gets things off at, on on the wrong foot so yeah it's a little bit of a compromise it's not an idealistic approach but there's lots of good stuff we can do with this time and i would suggest um saying hello to the students particularly important in the international um you know the the, the, the globalized economy that we're working where you've got students from other, from other countries coming in might be a bit nervous about you know being um in the same space as a lecturer might be a bit bit nervous about how to communicate to the lecturer you're saying listen happy to communicate good morning welcome to the session
0: Mm, I I do hear what you're saying it makes a lot of sense but my final point is uh, nothing. Nothing can touch. Well, I kind of made the point before, but it's nothing can touch that incredibly important time when it's you and the lesson. There's no escape. You can't. You can't mm. go and get a coffee anymore. You need to just go and teach this thing. And that, for me, is always the most productive time in terms of creative lesson mm. planning. Um, I know the lesson planning should have happened earlier, but I find that when you when you it's something to do with being in the space. Um, understanding Mm. what the temperature's like, the weather's like, getting a sense of the learners as they arrive. Getting in the zone. You you suddenly feel, oh, you know, in theory, I wanted to do it like that, but actually I should be doing it like this. Now that I see that, oh, and I'm going to quickly run and I've just got, you know, 10 minutes now to quickly, quickly change my routine, change what I was planning and maybe do one quick support sheet, bang it out, print it out, copy it and get back in there. There's been so many lessons where I haven't done that because Mm. I thought, oh, I should be greeting my students. And then the activity, you know bit too outcome focused but the activity and the learning (laughs) has not gone as well as it would have gone if i'd not said hi to them and my question is Is it really are you getting that much value by saying hi to them yeah for what you're losing by losing that's my final my final argument what's yours
1: yeah you know i'd say well maybe i kind of bring these two bring these two arguments together i mean i think there's something to be said for the first thing you say the first thing you say in the session that's your chance. You could say something thought-provoking there. Say something controversial. So, if you're saying hello to the students, having this kind of chit-chat at the beginning, then you've lost the impact of potentially using the first thing you say to say something incredibly thought-provoking. That's gonna that's mm. gonna set that's gonna set up the session. I think we
0: should maybe clarify as well. The 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 point we're asking is it worth. The initial question was: Is it worth greeting your students individually on the way in? So, mm-hmm. sort of, so, uh, so standing by the door, um, and you have to start. I mean, some will arrive early, so you have to start, start this fifteen or twenty minutes before the lesson. Um, and then, in my case, I stand there. I have my laptop in my hand. I use a, a yeah. student, student grouping app that we'll talk about later in this pod, in another episode. And I say to them, "Oh, hi, Mark. You know, hi, Dennis. Hi, uh, Anne." And uh, they come in, So how are you doing, blah, blah. And I have for a few, okay, so I'll tell you what, we'll end the is it worth it debate, and we'll <laughs> reveal our true opinions. Because I, yeah. I, I had to argue the case for this is not worth it, and you argued the case for it's worth it. Our listeners mm. have to decide based on that debate whether they think it's worth it or not. I don't honestly know i do some of the things i said i do agree with and i do have this extreme uh, case of, of i really feel incredibly inspired in the that in the 11th hour right before i have to teach and mm. i su- i suddenly think oh my word I, this is how we should do it that's a much more engaging uh, learner driven way of doing it and i, I totally feel that yeah and my problem is and I, I have semesters where i say this time it's going to be different this semester i'm going to get my planning so down that 20 minutes before the lesson <laughs> i'm just relaxed i've got my sheets laid out the projector's all ready to go and all i have to do is be there saying hi to my students and it doesn't work because suddenly your brain decides that's the moment to tell you oh but what if we divided them into groups then they did like this you think, oh brother work really really well and because <laughs> your brain chooses that moment to give you that information then
1: you're stuck yeah. in a quandary and thinking oh, but i'm just stood around saying hi i don't know absolutely i've i mean i've been in that situation where you've made decisions um 10 minutes before the session yeah that have made things so much easier and it's right like just before the session maybe it's because you've got the pressure and the adrenaline mm. and i think it's to do with our personal our personalities as well sometimes <laughs> you know we need to get close to a deadline to do something yeah um True. but yeah i've i've made decisions five minutes for a lesson that have undone three hours of preparation oh yeah <laughs> you know yes and it's like the closer you get to the session the clearer yeah. you're seeing yeah. things yeah. and I think you do have to have the flexibility sometimes to say yeah. this worksheet or this online activity this video I've filmed mm-hmm. maybe I'm not gonna be able to uh, to use it so you need the flexibility there another thing I'd say is um in the university setting we'll, we'll have people out there who don't know their students names you know I have yeah. um I have over a hundred people on all my modules, mm-hmm. and to be, you know, to be, to be candid with you, I took a policy of not learning names yep. a, f- a few years ago because mainly because I could remember the English. People's yeah. names easier. Uh, not, yeah, hmm, hmm. yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah. And, it, and it and it was looking like favoritism. Yeah. So so now I actually have a policy of not, certainly not um, addressing the students uh, by name, even mm. though I do know I do mm. know a few of their names.
0: Mm. Well, I think that that's another that's another topic on my list for one of these debates. Actually, the value of learning students' names, learning learners' names, and it's a it's a really interesting issue, and of course, it touches on really important stuff like you just said, um, the inevitability of one's own cultural background in a intercultural Mm. learning environment um i think i think um i think the listeners will have to decide i mean maybe something resonated with them yeah maybe they were prompted to try something a different
1: way but who knows absolutely they should let us know in the comments maybe definitely maybe uh maybe next week or next month we'll go through the comments we'll count up we'll count up the answers if you've got a strong through one strong view one way or the other we can decide um and yeah. then we can keep it running total. It'd be between great, be great to be
0: great to get some interaction going.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: So now then um, I want to briefly return to our main topic today um, before we then head to our top tip and um, head out of this. So we were talking about the incredibly important uh, <laughs> need to differentiate a learning objective an abstract thing that happens in your brain over time with a learning outcome, a momentary mm. snapshot, which evidences hopefully an instance of uh, learning and at this stage i want to connect it to what we were talking about last week in episode two which is this idea of metacognition um understanding your own understanding Uh, Mm. epistemological awareness there's lots Mm. of there's lots of different words for it and my proposal is that um metacognition provides the bridge from learning Mm. outcome tangible clear obvious to learners the, um, metacognition provides that bridge over to learning objective which is intangible and difficult for learners to get their heads around yeah um if you just, just have people um doing doing stuff you'll learn they're so acutely aware of what they're supposed to do what they're trying to do in the lesson and they are not aware often of what they are supposed to be learning and if you want to move from outcomes-driven teaching to objectives-driven teaching, then you have to use metacognition and all the shared vocabulary, criteria, discourse that that entails to make that jump yourself in your, as you're planning and, and, and delivering your teaching and for your learners as they're experiencing it.
1: Sure. So how would – I mean, I totally agree with that. I think we're talking about the learner being able to understand the why – So this activity we're doing, which might not be super inspiring, you know, why am I punctuating this paragraph with commas to Mm. go back to our comma Mm. example? Mm. Mm. If they are at the metacognitive level aware that they're pushing towards an objective, Mm. it can provide motivation Mm. and it can make those activities that might seem, uh, you know, a bit obscure or Mm. or just a bit boring. It can kind of keep them going through that time. So I'm, I'm interested in how are you communicating these learning, these learning objectives mm. to, to, to the students?
0: Well, um one of the bonuses of adopting this approach, um, and th- this comes back to that whole system of when you're planning and whether you, when you're planning your teaching and you're worried about what are they gonna do? Are they gonna do that for 15 minutes and that and thinking about chunking up mm. the time? If you can um, if you can, if you go into your planning thinking right. My learners at all times need to understand the deeper objective here. They're not focusing on just doing the outcome. They're, they're f- focusing on the objective. You have to then begin with a conversation with your learners about where they are at the moment. So if you, mm. it's just like what we're going to try and do today is, is write this email. Mm. so rather than just saying okay here are the instructions for writing a good email please read them and, and reproduce it that does that, that bypasses the objective which is a a deeper understanding of the cultural historical and should, social and that, context behind email writing that's
1: that's, yeah, what you, that's yeah, yeah. you you want, i think I, I i think that's the most that's the most common error in teaching is not providing that 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 context. I think that's such such an important point. Not providing that motivation. Yeah. But go on, Steve. Just wanted to well, throw that well,
0: in. It means that um what may have been a twenty minute email writing task that only fills twenty minutes of your lesson, you have to do a load of other stuff, that automatically becomes more like a forty-five minute task because um, it begins with talking to your learners about what, why they think we do this in emails or what they do in emails in their country or what they have done or what the worst mistake they ever made and why it was bad. So you mm. try to not just get into the completion of the outcome, but start approaching the outcome from a perspective of where, where what do we bring to this task? Um, mm. And why is it important that we learn it at all? Um, that means that you are priming your learners to approach the task yet in, in a contextualized way, because they start the task not by thinking about, oh, how how should I write the email he or she wants yep. me to write, but by thinking, hang on, how do I write emails? Or what what mm. do I think about that? And and then they mm. may be even discussing that with other learners. They're comparing, they're realizing that there's not necessarily a homogenous re- approach here. People have different styles. Mm. And what you're doing, of course, is you're already creating a metacognitive awareness of how they do what they mm. do. Before we I mean, get into the task.
1: To- totally. Actually, it's like meca- metacognition is a a prerequisite here. You've mm. got to be working on that level to get into this session. But what what if we're trying to have this um, you know, chit chat at, at the beginning of the lesson mm. and you're not getting anything out of your learners? I mean, are we kind of assuming... You know, and any, anybody could teach a very good group of learners, couldn't they?
0: Of course, of course. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. So, so, um, so, have well, you got any any, any good ways to, to you know get this discussion yeah. going? Or you know, because mm-hmm. we've all been there, we've asked a kind of open question and got nothing, nothing, oh, nothing yeah. out of the students. Yeah,
0: it will be a topic of a future podcast. Questioning, sure. question sure. forms, and a broader forms of, of what's called Socratic dialogue. We we're going to get that. But I would say this: um, if we take the email example. Um, what we need to do is provide a low challenge task to kick us off, which is so easy mm. that yeah. students want to do it. My <laughs> suggestion here would be um, I maybe just project on the board four different openings to a business email mm. and ask them to find the one that is terribly inappropriate. Yeah. And cool. then and then shout out which one it is, A, B, C, or D. And make one yeah. so, so ludicrously inappropriate that it's completely obvious
1: perfect and, and, and then, you could do this of course using yeah you could say shout this out or you could use uh, an online tool such as such as socrates yeah, yeah other other online tools are available of course <laughs> yes. and you can quickly project the results so, so the yeah. class the class love that yeah
0: yeah so that's a low challenge activity but you are yeah. already scratching mm, at, at their absolutely. their pre-existing awareness you then build it. it you love then build it up and say okay um this time um I'm going to show you like three different examples and um I want you all to write the same sentence but we're going to try and find out who in the be- who in the class can write the most appropriate um, react, um sentence and the most inappropriate sentence. So we'll have a comment. you can mm-hmm. choose do you want to go high or do you want to go low. Again, it's a very it's <laughs> it. it's not really a hard task. They've got model sentences. Um, and, or say do it in pairs. Do it in pairs. One of you has got to be appropriate, one of you has got to be inappropriate. Discuss mm. it and discuss what would be the best was, no, no, that's that's quite polite, but this is even more polite. Oh, I've never heard yeah, that. Great. Yeah, yeah. And so I then,
1: love the I, lo- I love the introduction of the um the inappropriate one. Well why not? As well. I mean, because, obviously yeah. you've got to be careful,
0: yeah. but but yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Injecting something which is which but that is that breaks fun. the ice and
1: makes it fun. Yeah, so yeah. totally. and, and, and yeah. it
0: also takes away this idea that they're supposed to learn the proper way to do it from the teacher. That's not what the learning objective mm. is not to learn to be incredibly polite. The learning objective is to sure. develop a deeper understanding of the norms and values which inform written communication in the culture of you're what, working yeah. in this particular task. You know.
1: Yeah. So, so mm. if you can. I but mean, if you had said that at the beginning of the session, <laughs> if if you had said <laughs> yes. that, yes. you know, then everybody would have been like, "Oh my my, my goodness!" So. <laughs> yes. So well, it says, yes.
0: yeah. So you, so you maybe, so you don't, you don't reveal. I mean, it, it's ideally. Mm. The objective, it needs to become a subject of, of discourse between you and your learners, but it's really great if it ultimately comes from them. So rather mm. than you telling them, you know, you shall understand this better, sometimes you need mm. to do that, but you're quite right. It can sound so daunting and so dry that it's far better to go into an interactive task that just catches them unaware, gives them something easy mm. but fun, and then gradually starts ramping mm. up the sophistication. And mm. then you might be at the point to say, all right, because it turns out we do know an awful lot about email writing. Look, we, we know that mm. that's good we know that but but what are we basing these decisions on and then you can say what do you what do you guys think is really important and then they're going to be more open to answering or considering that because you've, you've got them mm. into it then when they write their email whatever it is then you've got the outcome and you still have you know the task to do the 20 minute task which now has a 20 minute introduction mm. um and the thing then at the end to round this all out is that word you mentioned earlier, which is plenary, sometimes it's called, Mm. which is where at the end of every sort of period of learning, and maybe it's a lesson or a session or whatever, you sort of go back and say, okay, now that we've written the email, let's just go back round to where we were at the start. And Mm. you close the the circle. And this also extends that initial 20-minute task. This extends it by another 10 or 15 minutes because then Mm. it's important for students to say, now you look back at these sentences we wrote, what have we learned and, and, and how can we do, develop this? And next time you write an email, what might you do? And um,
1: yeah. and I think the pl- the plenary as well, we could, there's an opportunity there to make it more learner, learner led. by yes. well, an, an, an idea I would have there is, um, um, yeah, some kind of online tool. This is the question, which could be as open as, you know, what did you learn from the session? Yeah uh you've got two minutes to answer that question and then you use the answers from the learners to structure what you would have said anyway yeah in the in the plenary but it makes it feel more like it's come organically from the learners rather than the teacher saying oh yes well done you're like me now
0: (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely absolutely um you as as a teacher you're sort of trying to take yourself out of the equation a little bit you're you're trying to really focus on the fact the progress that your learners have made how far Mm. they've come and ultimately if you've structured it in the way we talked about by providing small challenges and then bigger ones and then a, a more sustained period of work where they do the outcome and everything they really have driven that process of course you've kind of been in the driving seat ultimately by directing. Directing their responses and supporting them and, and sort of helping them along the way but it's been a learner centric learner driven process and it will feel then very natural to conclude that process with a plenary which brings you back around so you begin and you start at the metacognitive level of them reflecting about what they're doing and that ultimately is them reflecting on the learning objective Whether you'd want to explicate that, make it explicit um, is another question. With some Mm -hmm. learners, it's a good idea. With other learners, it's less good. It's certainly a good idea, an essential idea in your head that you've got it. And the practical benefits are you're not filling, you're not doing four or five activities to fill your hour. You have one activity done properly landing Mm. with the learners in a profound way and you don't need to plan so much because you're not desperately filling up time with what are they going to do you're efficiently filling up time with what are they going to learn and um Mm. i think i tend to think it's how it needs to be certainly for me personally having that realization changed everything and dramatically reduced the time i spent planning my lessons and we can all be grateful for that
1: yeah yeah absolutely it sounds like um you know, we, the, I mean, talk about metacognition. You know, the concepts that we're using, the building blocks we have in our head to structure
0: mm.
1: a lesson plan. You know, yeah. um, you know what you're describing there is, well, it's the classic, the the, the, the classic story, the classic kind of marketing story, which is, uh, you know, here's a kind of situation. How would you think about it? Okay, there's there's a bit of a gap here. And then yeah. and then you're kind of introducing yourself as a, as a guide, as somebody who can help. Mm. And and having for me, having that kind of narrative arc in mm. mind mm. for a session, that's more helpful than than cutting up into blocks of five or ten minutes. It's also more helpful than thinking, okay, hand out one there, hand out two there.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: But it's quite but it's quite sophisticated, and I think it only comes you know that would be difficult for a new teacher mm. um, to, to to do, but with with time, I think I, th- I think that is the, the, a really good way to think about it.
0: Yeah, and it can, and it's not necessarily a linear process to start doing things this way. It yeah. was kind of it was kind of an overnight thing for me. I think I, I just sort of realized every time I was sat there in the evening and I wanted to just get my planning done um and you reach that kind of stage where you're not feeling very inspired and you just start thinking oh I'll make a sheet where they have to do this and then I'll I'll have mm-hmm. them do that and you think no 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 you need you need to have the confidence in your own intuition and instinct to say stop thinking what they're going to do think about what they're going to learn mm-hmm. what why are they doing this and yeah. then sometimes like, after a couple of hours like I've couple you throw away the lesson plan and you figure out this is all this is all boring dull repetitive Outcomes mm. with no objective. What I need is objective, and that objective is this: Ah, I feel refreshed. I feel
1: like I can do this now. It, it takes, as you say, it takes all the pressure off.
0: Yeah, it really <laughs> because does
1: because. If you're if you're kind of trying to work in these handouts that are not quite hitting the mark, yeah. you know yourself that it's gonna be it's gonna be a real kind of workmanlike session yeah. for you. Yeah. It's gonna be hard work. This it's gonna be all coming from the teacher. You're gonna to have to be explaining all the time and kind of mm. selling mm. selling it to the students all the time. Whereas if you can create create the right story built around this learning objective, then de stresses it for the teacher.
0: It really does. So please, if you listen to this and you think any of this resonates with you, you know, give it a try. Probably you're already doing it, or maybe you're doing your version of this that works really well. Um, but w- w- if, ever, if anything we've said has helped you or made you think, yeah, I, c- I can relate to that, then that's great, because that's what we're trying to do on this podcast. Okay, it's time for this week's top tip before, we, before, we, before we call it a day. Okay, Chris, in your lessons... Yeah. How often would you say you have a situation where you have a little task, maybe a bit of group work? Students get into it, and uh, there's five or six groups in the class. They're working well. It's you can see learning. you walk you do it. You're walking around. You're doing the little. Yeah. You're doing the teacher <laughs> teacher thing where you just perch Classic. the teacher perch on yeah. the desk. And uh, so, how are you guys doing? Oh, it's all good. Yeah. So we're all doing that. So it's all good. The bread and butter of the teaching day. Yeah. and then you realise there's a couple of groups at the back who appear to be basically finished and they're Mm. reaching to their phones and they're getting a bit bored and you're thinking oh better uh, better 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 sort of you know bring this together but there's a couple of groups down front who are still furiously discussing and you sort of go and you realize oh "Oh, no they're really really into it if i shut them down they're going to be really but those groups at the back they're getting their phones out and they're getting really bored Mm. oh my god and then you do that teacher thing people can't see me but i'm I'm waving my hands in the air and you're sort of going okay everybody okay okay (laughs) folks um okay sorry sorry and um people at the front are annoyed because you interrupted their frantic discussions people at the mm. back are annoyed because they got bored and everyone hates you as a teacher mm. despite the fact you organised a nice interactive group work task for them it sucks this happens to me all the time what about you
1: absolutely it sounds like you need a timer
0: Right, right. It's almost like I primed primed you to say that. Um, The way that the top, this week's top tip is to use a timer, use a countdown mechanism, negotiable Mm. with your students, but say to them, Mm. this task is not open-end, which means that you and this is a cultural thing you get into the habit of, never, never, never allow them to embark on any kind of task without beforehand having a brief conversation about how much time they're going to need and you can make this Mm. metacognitive you can have them driven you say okay guys so how long do you think you need for this is this like a 10 minute thing or is this a five minute thing and it's a fun thing some people will say oh 50 minutes and you're like ha ha you joker well I'll, i'll maybe up it to 12 minutes let's put 12 minutes and then this is so we generally have projectors or maybe you could put um your your stopwatch underneath some kind of um image projector if you've got one or yeah. use some or there's a
1: great uh if you just go to google yeah and type in 15 minute timer google comes up with a 15, 15 minute, minute time. timer
0: um yeah. on, online hyphen stopwatch com is another one that you can use there's there's plenty of timers online and um it really changes everything and once again you are empowering your students because you're saying okay guys look mm you've you've said that you need 12 minutes i beg to differ i think you could do this in 10 so i'm going to put 10 up but when we get down mm. to three minutes left i'll stop the timer and we can have a little bit of renegotiation and I'll maybe um, i'll add good. one or two minutes if you like and you're creating a uh, you're empowering them because because they're they're kind of driving this process as well um and you have and, and you are make you're stopping yourself being the the killjoy you're no mm. longer the guy interrupting what was a quite nice discussion or the guy not coming over to them and getting going, even though they're finished. Because you're saying, look, guys, if you're finished after two minutes and we all agreed this was a 10-minute task, yeah. you're yeah. probably not approaching this with the right level of depth and detail, right?
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but, yeah. But by the same token, if, you know, you've said it's 12 minutes, eight minutes are up and they've barely got started, you sort of have to say, well, I mean, you know, you're going to – we can talk about this. We can work out a time mm. extension, but, mm. but, you know – and, and I find that ne- sometimes there's a bit of pushback. People saying, oh, God, this is, this is stressful enough already, and now you've got the massive timer there. Um, but I find that as soon as they realize that you're open to negotiation about this, and you can do it by putting a couple more minutes on there, um, mm. then it actually makes for much more focused, coherent group work. Um, and mm. when there needs to be some kind of auditive um, audio signal when the time is up, Um, you can download fun timers with different types of music that can come on. That can be fun as well if you negotiate what music they listen to at the end or a buzzer or anything. But crucially, it needs to be not the teacher saying, okay, everyone, that time's up. It can't Mm, be that. It needs to be Uh, a a different uh, sound so that you can position yourself. When the sound goes and they all look up, you can be like, well, yeah. Mm, it's not hey this ain't on me this is the time mm-hmm. that we negotiated and yeah sure if they say oh sorry but we haven't finished it then say well i'll put three minutes more up but you're really mm-hmm. it, it, one of those small things like lights come last week's tipped um handing out the sheets out face down possibly people listening to this thinking yeah guys get over it, it it's not it's not that big a deal to do that but it, oh, it is. It seems to make a profound difference to the way the way it your does. learners it are interacting with each during other during
1: the group work. The group work. Another another kind of classic teacher thing to do is to be saying, "Okay, you've got two minutes left." Yeah, getting yeah, you're, you're sore throat. Okay, oh. five minutes. You yeah, know, come on. and again, you're shouting over mm. over the learners, you know, yeah. over the students. You know, mm. it's classic. It's classic teacher stuff and um yeah for me i mean all of the tips we give result in better learning but more importantly for me from a selfish perspective they're going to de-stress it for you oh yeah 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 you know i think we said last week you know three percent less stress because of the sheets thing last week three percent less stress for the timer Mm. for me um introducing we mentioned the online tool for getting information from the students Mm. That reduced everything like ten percent because it meant I wasn't I wasn't going. What do you think about this, guys? Oh, what's your idea? Blah mm, blah 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 blah. Mm, you know, mm. there's we're going to go through five or six things and talk about marginal gains. Gains each is going to de-stress things by two three percent. You are not going to feel so shattered yeah. at the end of the teaching session because of this. But just just on the timer thing. I mean, you've added some value for me there, Steve, because I've been using a timer just um, for the practical benefits of, Mm. as I said, uh, timing the activity. But I've never done the negotiation with students. Mm. I've never exploited it in that way to have some interaction with the students and to get the students feel feeling empowered and mm-hmm. feeling um, that they've kind of, uh, they're committed to this decision yep. because they've, they've, they've helped shape the activity. Yep. So I'm going to be doing that next time.
0: I, they'll like it. It's fun. It's not, I mean, you know, it, it, you'll negotiate with the more confident members of your group and stuff, but it's great. It's a little bit of differentiation for them. We'll talk about differentiation in a later episode. And it gives it just, it's a nice um, confidence boosting, fun boosting thing you can do and um maybe some of our younger listeners uh fresh in the profession in their early 20s are saying well I don't mind talking I've got a big loud voice I don't mind talking over class." <laughs> believe me yeah. believe me kids when you enter your late 30s which is where me and Chris very much are you appreciate not having to boom out and speak over I mean, the whole class
1: absolutely and for me my, my my aim teaching these days is not to be completely shattered at the end of the session yeah because yeah, exactly. you, you get so so absorbed in it when it's done mm. Um absolutely yeah. Ex- yeah. exhausted you know yeah. i have to go and st- have to go and lie down so i'm trying to come out of a session feeling like i've still got 20 percent energy left absolutely you know to do to do yeah. something
0: and, and i'm exactly the same <laughs> even <laughs> after doing <laughs> this for for what, 16 or 17 years in my case um yeah you're still absolute and anything that helps you just reserve that 20%. I mean uh, those are the mm-hmm. kind of things. It's about being having a sustainable career, looking after yourself and being the best teacher you can be. Sure. So great. Well folks, we have reached the end of episode 3. Thank you ever so much if you've been uh, joining us um and listening to us. I really hope me and Chris both really hope this is um this is something that's going to help you um again on Podbean, that's where our page is um you can find us um alone up front you can add comments you can get in touch podcasts available on stitcher as well and on itunes and we're definitely going to continue putting out one episode every week as we discuss mm. um anything that can help us as practi- pr- pr- practitioners and
1: we'd certainly consider if people want us to cover a particular topic we'd certainly consider that so let us know let us yeah. know in the comments yeah
0: so, everyone, I hope you have a great week with your teaching. Um, keep it metacognitive. Keep it timed. Negotiate those times, and you'll have some <laughs> relaxed lessons. We'll, uh, we'll, uh, you'll hear from us next week. Um, enjoy your teaching, and thanks for listening.